This is Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about the finale of Loki, Episode 6, for all time, always. There's only one way this can go. Then why are we here? Oh, come on. No, you can't get to the end until you've been changed by the journey. This stuff, it needs to happen to get us all in the, in the right mindset to finish the, the quest. Right. Right. So it's all a game. It's all a manipulation. Interesting that your head would go to that. Selby! You think you can trust this guy? Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. <laughs> Do you think you're even capable of trusting anyone at all? Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about the finale of Loki Season 1. For all time, always, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. And standing at the edge of time, it is me, your final host, John. Welcome, fellow Defenders, to this final episode in Season Mm 1 of Loki. Yes, we have a Season 2. I know. (laughs) It was. So was the ending. And, but we'll and, get on to that. <laughs> absolutely. And um, and so was all the rest of the episode, I think. <laughs> uh, a, bit, a bit of a shocker, a bit of a, a surprise of, a, of an episode. Um, yeah, a big, big shocker, really, that season two was coming, because uh, I think I'd completely discounted it uh, earlier on the season, because um, the rumours of a season two started when filming was going on for season one uh, last year, um, when they were f- finishing it post-COVID. Uh, these sudden rumours came out that season two was happening, but uh, it turns out to be entirely accurate that we will. Uh, this story will continue in the future of uh, of Loki, its own TV show, and also apparently now in uh, Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness, also oh, yeah. in Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, yep, uh, and possibly across the entire rest of the uh, MCU in Phase Four. Uh, but we will discuss all of that as we go into yes. the episode, and uh, hopefully have some kind of hints as where we think this might be going. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, I was shocked. Yes, yes, that is a good... I hadn't heard the rumours. So this, for me, was like, say what now? Okay, <laughs> then. Cool. Did, okay, that's okay. an ending. Uh, so we will definitely get into that. Okay. Uh, but much like the multiverse... We have talked about other things in the TV podcast industry's multiverse. We did record our discussion on Black Widow, which you can pop onto any of the channels where you listen to us and you can get that there. So Mm -hmm. go on and check that out. It was a rip-roaring, Russian-sounding discussion. You know you want to hear me do a Russian accent, and I'm not going to do it here. You have to go to the podcast and listen to it. Excellent. He might not also do it there, but he did try. I attempted it, hey, that's close enough. Uh, but uh, as always, we are continuing our discussion of The Bad Batch. We will be recording the next, this week's episode tomorrow, but mm-hmm. you can always just drop back if you want to. Now that Loki's over, if you need something to catch up on, why not t- check out The Bad Batch? Yeah. We've been going weekly on it, and it is not bad at all. 
Yeah, absolutely. You can get all of those episodes on tvpodcastindustries.com, or you can find the podcast by searching tvpodcastindustries.com wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, speaking of shows we've covered, did you guys see the Emmy nominations this week? 23 nominations for one division, five nominations for Falcon the Winter Soldier, five nominations for The Boys, and 18 nominations for Lovecraft Country, four of the biggest shows we cover on this podcast. Yeah. Excellent stuff. We do have good taste. We pick only the best. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, we pick we pick we the are shows the men from Del Monte. <laughs> <laughs> well, we pick the shows we hope our listeners enjoy and we'll enjoy. And it seems yeah. like the Emmy Academy enjoyed them too, right? Yes. <laughs> well, that's it. We yeah. provide the canned podcast uh, for for your enjoyment. You, you can go. open up whenever you want to and lovingly sort of digest the succulent sweet fruit within. That was a, uh, a Man from Del Monte reference. I was wondering what the can was. Yes, I was yes. Re- that took me a second. <laughs> For any of our international li- listeners, the Man from Del Monte and Del Monte were canned fruits yeah. mm-hmm. in syrup or their own Yum. juice. Oh. And they were gorgeous. <laughs> they were. But I feel they were very much a British Isles thing, but I'm <laughs> not quite Could sure. So. Yeah, yeah. It no. was an ad from the 80s. Yes, and it selling, was the man from yeah, the month. He says, yes. <laughs> it's like we were still in the Cold War. <laughs> Nuclear Armageddon uh, could have happened at any moment, but as long as you had your tin pineapple and peaches, uh, you were good to go. Yeah, something to go into your bunker. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, we will be finishing off our Loki coverage this episode. It's, it's the final episode of Loki Season 1, but we will obviously be back with our finale wrap-up episode next week. Um, hopefully, I think there is going to be a, uh, a making-of episode, as they've been doing with each of the, of the MCU shows out next week, which we'll discuss. We'll also wrap up our pub quiz uh, with our final answers for the pub quiz and uh, give away the goodies uh, that we have for Loki as well. If you want to enter the pub quiz, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you can also email us there with any thoughts you have on the full series of Loki. Let's get into our discussion about this final episode for all time. Always, uh, head writer of the show, Michael Waldron, takes on writing duties for this episode, as we generally see on finale episodes, uh, and is joined by Eric Martin, uh, who we've spoke, spoken about earlier on in the season. He's, he's written a couple episodes of this show as well. Uh, every episode of the season, directed by Kate Heron as well. Um, a really good vision for this show. Um, but John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the finale of Loki season one? Sure. After taking control of the Guardian Elioth, Sylvie and Loki arrive at the Citadel at the edge of time. The creator of the Time Variance Authority resides inside. They are greeted by a very cheery Miss Minutes. Her true boss, He Who Remains, is willing to give Loki and Sylvie everything they desire, from victory at the Battle of New York and the Infinity Gauntlet for Loki, to a life filled with happy memories for Sylvie. They can both even live in the same timeline. All they have to do is listen to him. Meanwhile, back at the TVA, while Mobius and Hunter B-15 reveal the truth to the other Minutemen, Judge Renslayer has been given instructions from He Who Remains, and she escapes through a time portal to find the one who has free will. Back at the edge of time, He Who Remains invites Loki and Sylvie to talk, but Sylvie tries to kill him at every opportunity. He is able to dodge every attack and explains that he knows everything that will happen in their meeting. He Who Remains informs them that he discovered a way to connect with other universes and the many variants of him. These variants try to work together to solve the world's issues, but the good versions of him also existed along with the many bad versions of him. 
The evil versions try to exploit their connections and knowledge to conquer the multiverse, and so began the multiversal war. Realizing this war would destroy everything, he who remains weaponized Alioth and established the efficient Time Variance Authority and its bureaucracy to remove all timelines that led to the multiversal war, leaving him alone in the Citadel at the edge of time. But he's tired, and he offers Sylvie and Loki the opportunity to continue his work to preserve the multiversal harmony, or they can plunge the universes into catastrophe and chaos if they choose to end him. Loki seems willing to accept the offer, but Sylvie kisses him and sends him through a time portal. Finally, Sylvie achieves her revenge, kills the founder, and awaits the arrival of thousands of his variants and the multiversal war. As Loki returns to the TVA, he soon realises that no one knows who he is. Both B-15 and Mobius are confused about who he is, and this TVA has someone else very much in charge. Applause, I think, for uh, for you, John, there, for getting all that together into uh, one synopsis. We're done here, right? That's that's kind of the story. Yep. That's yeah, it. It, I mean, we talk about Basil Exposition um, uh-huh. quite a lot. This was very Basil Exposition-y, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, but, it, like, in a good way. Like, yeah. I think the, the tension of that, mm-hmm. almost that stage scene of them sat in he who remains his office uh as you know the edge of time is out through the window behind him and that it, it was like that sort of stage play we say that quite often you know sometimes the, there's this moment of inspiration yes there's a little bit of uh, jumping back to the tva and so on but it what you know when the writers are able to sort of provide that condensed single scene that mm-hmm. just kind of uh is, is pretty magical really then I, I think that's it's just excellent stuff really yeah, yeah. Uh, kicking off the episode um before we get into discussing the individual variants kicking off the episode i loved the change to the loki titles uh the normal oh, Mar- yeah. marvel universe logo now replaced with dialogue from each of the characters as it cycles through and then starting to bring in real world people we hear greta thunberg uh saying yeah. her famous speech we hear uh, Nelson Mandela, yeah. we hear uh, Vision is in there from WandaVision. Not yeah. a yep. real-life character, but he was in WandaVision. There's um, Neil Armstrong Neil as well. Neil Armstrong's in there. Yeah, there's, I, I loved how this is effectively a great way of setting up the timelines themselves, the camera effectively panning back as we enter the episode to this sacred timeline that's circling this citadel on the edge of time, um, kind of showing how much is involved in the timeline, I suppose. This is the entirety of human existence. I thought I thought something was wrong. Um, I thought my I I know it sounds stupid. I thought it was my equipment because I thought for a second I was like, oh no, they've got a different channel for the music, <laughs> and I like this is the first every time <laughs> I was like, no no, my something's wrong with my speakers, and I was like, oh oh oh, oh it's a choice. <laughs> it, it's that is the best summary. Of this episode, quite a choice. Okay, it, it and literally, it, it's the twelve angry men, as you said. It's a stage play. It's a single room theory. To a majority, it's a single room play. Yeah, as your final season finale, where people thought it was the series finale, yeah. 
And it is, that's the thing. It's a, do you know, remember dodgeball where you have, that's a bold move, Cotton. Right. Like that's all I was saying. And I'll give a bit of inside baseball. I watched the episode last night mm-hmm. and straight away started texting the lads going, well, and I had to discuss it with you two over text for a second to be able to articulate what my thought process was because it's just such a, we know Disney is bold, but this was Bold, like Disney, Disney has been accused many times of not being bold with the MCU. So I think this is one that will shut people down. Yes, uh, this choice for what they did with this finale episode will shut down that concept of oh, once the MCU joined Disney, they made no choices; they just wanted to make money. This show was not no. that, uh, definitely. Uh, just to just to kind of uh, say that when Chris was texting, I had no idea whether he liked or disliked the episode. Oh, uh, I was very was nothing, cagey about that. Nothing one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Uh, uh, even when I said I really enjoyed this episode, I got nothing back from Chris as to whether he liked it or not. So we will find out in, yeah. in as we go through this discussion of this episode. Let's get into our variant number one because the most important character i suppose introduced in the universe here really is he who remains let's talk about him up front uh played by jonathan majors who we covered on the excellent lovecraft country a very adult uh horror and science fiction show um great to see him brought into the universe here we heard about his casting before he's been cast in the role for ant-man and the wasp quantum mania um he has been called out as kang the conqueror in that i'm playing a comic book character uh a very different version possibly of the one we see here but he's he's kind of exposition guy but wow can jonathan majors act i think he sells every single line he has here just that idea that he is someone of pretty big intelligence to cre- to do what he did at the start but creating this uh border between multiple universes being able to work together with other scientists to try and solve problems the kind of distraught side of losing control of that when other variants of himself have turned up and they're more powerful more evil um more hell-bent on destruction then this concept that he is just at this point he's been trying to fix the timeline for thousands of years and he's just tired and wants somebody else to take over i think he just has a great jitter about him he has he seems really excited to see other people here as well when he's talking to sylvia loki and he seems even more excited to see what happens after the point of the universe that he doesn't know so he has his books which telling him exactly what's happening in this in this meeting and then those books run out and he doesn't know what happens afterwards. And he genuinely seems intrigued. Whatever way it goes, he's intrigued to see what happens. Um, Chris, what did you think of this? I love Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. In my head, it was like he was chewing the scenery. But I know sometimes that can come off as a negative. It wasn't in this. He was just so charismatic. He was just the, the, the character of He Who Remains was just partially because we were like, who is this? Exactly. Um, but also just the 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 un- the take, if you want to call it that. It, it's it was almost childlike, um, but not if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So there's parts where he was jumping onto the chair. And it's that he was very much the benevolent character and just just showing all these different takes and what I really loved about this was this would 
if you watch any other kind of nerdist IGN, any other kind of podcast, everyone was like, there's no way they'll bring this character in. It's way too early. He's in Quantum Mania. There's mm-hmm. I, like, he, he was essentially the Mephisto that we had talked about. Kind of. Because everyone, no one thought he was going to do this. Everyone thought it was going to be. And to be fair, we didn't get Kang. And exactly. that's the one key bit. He w- at this point in time, he was not Kang the Conqueror. He was He Who Remains. The the actor Jonathan Majors is playing the character He Who He Who Remains, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but um, he is describing effectively. I mean, I I know what you're saying. I I get it. But the, you know, there is the moment where he's asking Sylvie and Loki, "What are you afraid of?" And he's like, "Me." Um, and he says, you know, I've been known as a ruler, a conqueror, mm-hmm. he who remains, and a jerk, which I thought was actually hilarious. But, Absolutely. I mean, it is ultimately a variant, because he does say that, oh, she still calls me that, referring to Miss Minute as the person that calls him he who remains. So he yeah. doesn't actually give his name here. Yeah, exactly. But ultimately, in the scheme of what he describes here about his story... Um, he is a variant of this person moving through time, were whether good or evil. He was, he's the last variant yes. of this character. It, it's very convoluted, but essentially it is now he is the last, he was the last variant. He was the one pruning to ensure that he was the only ever variant. Um, and now that all changes. Yeah, exactly, Chris. Like he has become the supreme variant. The same way throughout the show, we've had this kind of commentary about Loki thinking that he's the supreme variant, but actually, when he meets other Lokis, some of them are more intelligent than him, some of them are better at other things than he is. Um, but this he who remains is the supreme variant of this character. There was a great comment I saw earlier on this week about Jonathan Majors that his agent must be really happy because effectively his statement here is that he can now appear anywhere as one of the thousand variants of his character and they don't have to act the same way at all. He could just go into a role and act completely different every single time and we will take it as given that this is a version of he who remains. (laughs) Great for his agent. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, And I think that's the the really great thing here in in this whole scene with he who remains is just that you know we get his story finding the multi the stacked universes mm-hmm. you and about the multiversal war but then you get the story um as as he says it, it's ultimately the same as the one that the timekeeper said about preserving a timeline yep. Uh, and the whole reason and you, you get that element of it as well then the the one we already know effectively um and that offer to sylvia and loki is that well you can take on my mantle because quite frankly i'm knackered um yeah. with having done this for you know such a long long time and you control the TVA, but he says, you know, you can tell them whatever you want to to make them feel yep. happy about it. Yep. Um, and it, it, it comes to this really nice um, element that he he says that, um, you know, I'm not good. I'm not bad. I I do bad things for a good reason. And, you know, this is the time for for you to to run the whole thing, to control the TVA or, um, you know, you can kill me and not take it up 
and we'll see the chaos that that arrives as a result of that. I mean, like, that's what's so great about his last line to Sylvie, which is, see you soon, um, which is really good, yeah. um, because his other variants will be unleashed by this, and they, and they are. have this, <laughs> you know, they have this knowledge of the the multiverse. Yeah. They they know about all of this. Yeah. And um yeah. I love Jonathan Majors here. Mm-hmm. That kooky portrayal of kind of a, a man stuck in a box yeah. uh, for so long doing his thing, but for good reasons, um I thought was really, really good. I think initially I was like, ooh, because when the elevator door opens, you know, for me I was like, it's Kang. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, they've done it. Um, and it, it, I think it's, it's just the fact that I wasn't expecting him to be the big bad. I thought yeah. he who remains, it's a nice little touch actually, because I think Derek, you mentioned it is that everyone, everyone's theory is ultimately right here. There is he who yeah. remains, there is Kang. And of course, in the end, it's Sylvie left in that room. On her own, uh, King. So it's a variant of King Loki, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so every everyone's there, and but I was just thinking, you know, I've got this particular view on Kang, and I was like, oh, he's playing this really weird. Mm -hmm. And then obviously it comes out with his story and and so on. You're like, then you you see the absolute genius of Jonathan Majors doing uh, his thing here. Um, on this stage play with Tom Hiddleston and Sofia Di Martino, it was just so so good. I, like I really really enjoyed it. Yeah. Like you yeah. you could sense the fun that he was having, and I loved how it contrasted with Sylvie, who you know you you see her nervous energy because uh, this is what she's been working towards, yeah. and then the doors just open. I, I thought that was a really nice touch, yeah. and then just just her anger and he's kind of so chilled because he he knows what's coming and um, i think the really again it, it was very much like of contrasts as well because that moment where you get a really great change in, in the music where it starts to rumble up as that threshold is crossed where he doesn't know what will happen uh, and he's the only one realizing that sat, sat at his desk. Yeah. I thought that was just awesome. I thought that was really, really well done. And how uh, he portrayed that was superb. Yeah. yeah. One one little one I wanted to just throw out, which was really interesting, was as the Lokis are entering his uh, the, the initial the, the, the chambers before they actually go up in the elevator and were first introduced to, there's statues of the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's three statues up and one down. Yeah, I smashed. Yeah, I spotted and that I'm as well. Very yeah. interested to see what they're going to do with that because, so comic book lore, he who remains was one of the who is a variant of Ur's version, but we'll call him variant, a variant of Kang worked with the timekeepers and created the time stoppers and the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, and was the fourth, theoretically, the fourth timekeeper. Yeah. So I'm so interested to see if that smashed one was him. It's very interesting to see. It must okay, be. Is it him or was it, is there an actual, was there timekeepers or is it a full figment 
of his kind of like, well, in order to create this autocratic um, bureaucracy of the TVA, he created the timekeepers as a construct. The only the only reason I would think that it's him is because it dramatically makes sense for the show because the the show ends with the statue of Jonathan Majors at the end of the show. Yes. Um, if you'd seen the statue of Jonathan Majors there, knowing that he's been cast as Kang in a future movie, if you saw it the minute that Loki and, and Sylvie arrived, that just bursts all the tension for the episode. Oh yeah, doesn't okay. It? So I think that's the reason why that particular one was smashed. But it does it does make me question whether the other three timekeepers did exist at one point. Where they three yeah. other Kangs that worked with this guy that ended off being he who remains and all four of them worked together. They were the, all the good ones that were trying yep. to solve everything going on in the universe and he had to kill them to stop the multiversal war. Is that we have now got our answer as to what happened to the original timekeepers. Yep. He says that he had to destroy every variant of himself to get him to this point. And that's when he leaves the choice with Loki and Sylvie. That moment when he makes that, that uh, comment to them basically that doesn't affect me what you do. Either you kill me and continue to take care of the timeline and everything goes on exactly as it is yeah. right now and the timeline is taken care of, or you kill me and stop managing the timeline, the multiversal war comes back and I'll be right back here again in exactly the same situation. So it doesn't make, doesn't make a difference to me. I'm just tired dealing with it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that. I'll, I'll make an interesting comparison. So for any of our listeners who watch Rick and Morty, there's the Council of Ricks. Mm-hmm. So very much what's being discussed in with this and when he's explaining his like the different variants working together is the council of clang yeah and the reason some of the timekeepers look like like dogs and lizards and things like that is because in that universe we look like a dog or a lizard so so they're variants of clang that look like that yeah, so they did a good setup then by doing episode five where we had all the variant Lokis, including Alligator Loki, to yep. set up the fact that there are so many different variants. Yep. Doesn't matter about skin color, doesn't matter about race, doesn't matter about species. There's yep. a variant out there in a multiverse that looks different to the one that's sitting right in front of you here. But, uh, so, so I love that now thinking back on the series itself, all of it was set up for this massive reveal, which will affect and impact the MCU going forward. We've talked a lot about Jonathan Majors there, but is there anything else that you want to talk about in that opening section or the opening uh, description of everything that's happened in this uh, thousand years up to this day? Just three really quick things. Firstly, just shout out the castle or the citadel at the edge of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looked cool as hell. Stunning. Uh, Really, really really good. And I was thinking it was going to be King Loki because I saw there was like the green sort of color around yeah. the rock. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, is that like, you know, thematic or whatever? And it was kind of like, okay, it wasn't. But like, I just thought that looked amazing. Um, as well as the inside. And it was also, I guess it was just the, the build up, but the room before the four statues or the three and the destroyed fourth, mm-hmm. the one before that, after they've just entered in, um, the statues seem to be hooded, which just reminded me of the silhouette of Sylvie right at the start mm-hmm. where we see her. And I was thinking, oh, okay. Uh, so that was giving me more ideas that it was Loki. And then, okay, the elevator opened. And then yeah. just Miss Minute as well arriving, just because it looks so yeah. different to the surroundings, this very kind of, you know, the stone... The, the darkness, the windows, the citadel. And then you have this projection of um, an AI, effectively, of Miss Minute 
Uh, but I love the look. Um, like there was almost like a little evil, uh, the evil eye look. Um, Absolutely. That she, she did here where, you know, she's offering Loki and Sylvie their, I guess, wildest fantasies from their life before mm-hmm. they got pruned and, and picked up by the TVA. And it's like, you know, no. And she's like, the look in her eyes as she says, uh, you know, sure you do. Good luck with that, you know, as they're about to head off, um, to, to confront he who remains. Um, and so I like that. And I, I, I think it's also that if they had taken that, I guess he who remains would remain alive yep. ultimately and continue doing the work. Because that was the other thing. I mean, there was this deal that they out, out and out refused. Yeah. Um, but this was a deal where they could effectively leave him alone. And I, but ultimately he knows what's happening. Exactly. So I guess, yes, his true offer is yeah. the one that he deals to them in his office. Yeah. The offer yeah. is, um, he's yeah. offering them everything they could possibly want, knowing that they're going to say no anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if he gives, if he gives yeah. an offer to Loki to have an That's infinity contest that will destroy the galaxy. He knows Loki and Sylvie will say no to that and move on. So he offers everything. Like, can you he imagine? He really does. Like, the idea that, you know, Loki can win the Battle of New York, kill Thanos, and get an infinity, infinity gauntlet, and Loki still turns that down. Well, like, there's nothing else more that could be offered. So I think, I think, uh, he remains was having a bit of a joke there as to how much was being offered. So. <laughs> yeah. No, completely. My final point before we move on is the amazing setup this is. Mm-hmm. Um, because just, Background, this character is a Fantastic Four villain. He's an Avengers villain. He's a general across the multiverse, across the comic yeah. book. He, like, he's fought Doctor Strange. He's fought, you name the, the hero, Iron Man. Like, he's done them all. Like, it's across all of them. So, it, the first introduction of this character is in a Disney Plus show. Yep. Shows me the quality and the, the, the. That's the seriousness of their intent. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect way of putting it. Yep. The intent here is like, we're going to introduce you to one of the biggest, potentially, potentially the next two phases worth of Thanos. Yep. That level of a bad guy. Yeah. To a degree. In the final episode of the Loki show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoo. So it's when that good. all kind it's of started to yeah. came together, we know Fantastic Four is coming. We know he's going to be in Quantum Mania. He's probably this has me going. John the Majors is probably going to pop up in some form across in Doctor Strange and potentially Spider Man, and like who knows where else now? Well, like, it has it's... implications because, and the saying I'm expecting, or oh, I have a feeling that Loki will pop up in Doctor Strange yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, it just makes sense nah. because this yeah. is all this is really kind of tied everything to together. You know, Doctor Strange is yeah. in Spider-Man uh, and so the, there's and we we're, we're with Doc Ock uh, in there and as well with uh, Electro rumored to be in there as well. I, I, again, different um uh, yeah. timelines all coming in here and um, 
we definitely know Kang will be introduced as Kang the Conqueror, I guess, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's almost off the table for me now. I have no, I believe they've introduced him here as he remains. And every version we see from now on could be Kang. It could be yeah, another that's version true. of the character. Yeah. So Jonathan Majors can walk in the background in the Hawkeye TV show and just happen to be a scientist they speak to and, yeah. and not have a big implication. But what's even better for me is when we were kids, Kang the Conqueror was a big joke of a character. He'd arrive from the future and go, don't step on that bug or you're going to kill all life on future planets. They've made a great introduction to this, to this character. Yeah. Um, that, that was an example. That wasn't a specific comic book, but he was a bit of a joke when we were kids. Yeah. They've made him a really interesting character. They've done great jobs more recently in comic books, but it's a great introduction. Let's move on to variant two. Uh, that is Jonathan Majors, as we say, nominated for his uh, his show, uh, Lovecraft Country, for being a central character on there. Another wonderful character in Loki, played by an actress, Winmi Masaku, from, um, from Lovecraft Country, is Hunter B-15. Let's move on to what she's doing uh, in these moments. We don't spend much time outside of the Citadel at the end of time, but we do spend a little bit of time with Hunter B-15. Um, bringing agents to meet the real Judge Renslayer back in 2018. I really like this because it feels like this isn't the only person she's done this to. It feels like she's just waiting in the room of Judge Renslayer going, here she is, let's see if his mind cracks, and then let's tell him the truth about what's happening to the TVA. Uh, This is the first person we see her do this to is Judge Renslayer's um, right-hand man, the person that's been right behind her back the whole time, the person that, that pruned... Mobius, uh, in, in, from the TVA in the future. So, uh, so quite a big get, I suppose, as the first person turned for her. But this seems to be her mission now is, is freeing all of the TVA agents from that hold that's been on them for the whole time. They didn't know there were variants. They didn't know about this history. They didn't know what was going on. And just that simple reveal of, Hey, this is the person who's been giving you all your orders for all these years. And look at her here in uh, a school teacher or a school principal, uh, back in normal days. Um, let me explain it to you. Yeah, I I did enjoy this. I, this gave us the explanation of the pen, of the uh, overall what this meant. This mm-hmm. Ohio State pen. There were so many rumors about Molecule Man and who knows <laughs> what are, uh, but and ideas and that's what I love about the show, the theories. But anyway, mm-hmm. it was such an interesting thing because you do it's it's like the futility of it is was just so much fun to see. Um, it was just great to see that they overall, like, B-15 was like, no, look, here is your Judge Renslayer. And she's like, who's Judge Renslayer? I am such and such. Um, and it was interesting that it was back in 2018. So that's what the, the significance of the event in 2018 is. I'm curious to see what it was. Someone will figure it out in one of the Easter eggs and go, well, during, like, in the MCU in 2018, this happened. And this is what the variant, the, the, the split was. I haven't uh, seen Easter eggs or anything like that, but I think it's just simply saying pre-snap, right? It's setting the situation pre-snap. Oh, there you go. So that, we, right. don't, so that yeah. we don't interfere with what else is going on. We've yeah. interfered with enough of the multiverse and enough of the M- MCU. <laughs> so let's not mess with it too much more uh, by put, by setting it in 2023 or 20, whatever whatever year is happening. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's just put it before then and we're grand. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, uh, but yeah, look, it was, it was good. And I, I do love B-15. Yeah, fantastic like, actress un- underused in the show, but knowing that we have a season two now, at least we know that we'll have one Miyazaki back. Uh, yes, as an, a, an excellent actress had some great moments in this season, but I definitely want to see more of her uh, as we go into uh, the rest of the season. 
But speaking of Renslayer and the, the original version of her, let's move on to variant three because Renslayer escapes. We see the, we see how she gets out of the TVA. She's in a reasonably bad situation. Moby's kind of coming back to take revenge after he was pruned and sent off to the void. And she seems to have gotten some more information from Miss Minutes. Miss Minutes, uh, saying she tried to go off and find those files, uh, that she was looking for, but, uh, decided on the basis of some direction from He Who Remains, that uh, there's some more important information that she needs and uh, uploads that to the Tempat, giving uh, Renslayer a reason to escape. So Renslayer being quite heavily tied into the end of this episode, I think. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And probably season two as well. Um, I, yeah, I thought, I thought the, um, I thought with Renslayer leaving, I mean, it's not, she's not around for very long, but I'm glad that her and Mobius, Kind of reunited, so to speak, in yeah. that way. And I think, um, I love that she's still very adamant that, you know, uh, the TVA has a role, that it's crucial. And I, and, and in some ways, I think it mm-hmm. chimed with what, um, He Who Remains said as well. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, th- there's a nice kind of link there to, to what He Who Remains says and Renslayer here. And given that he's given her this reading, uh, to go off, um, as she escapes through, um, a 10 pad out of the TVA to find the, the one person with free will. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's a fair number of, um, different Marvel characters that could be that. I mean, I, I was trying to think who, who could be, but, um, I, I just think I'm too, burdened by Doctor Strange knowledge because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have Celestials and you've got, with the Eternals, yep. you've got Interesting. Um, which is potential way that they could go. Um, you know, you know, you've got Infinity, um, so it's like pretty free will. Um, and um, you've got the Watcher. Um, there's all these different types of, mm. um, and maybe there's some more obvious, but that, that's where I was just kind of really, uh, throwing it, um, at that, that moment. And so I, I really liked that. Okay. Um, that's, that's very different what I know, thought. I, th- I thought it was effectively that he who would remain, he, he who remains was sending back kind of the information, the key to what he discovered to Renslayer to kind of bring it to himself. Um, so that they could kickstart the whole process again. He's she's, could she's be going to arrive well. yeah. with two Jonathan Majors and go here. You go. Uh, try this experiment, um, and then it kickstarts the whole uh, the whole circle again. Yeah, it could be that as well. Um, but I, I, I guess I was just trying to. I was thinking of someone with absolute free will, mm. um, and be, I guess because the Eternals are coming up, I was thinking Celestials. Yeah, be, because of they effectively mm-hmm. are outside of all of that. Um, that could be asked to intervene. You know, some met, there's a lot of stories where we've, uh, you know, Doctor Strange has had to like pop over to a celestial to get him out of a bit of trouble. True. Um, or you know, even just maybe the Watchers, just because they literally do not intervene at all and just watch that because of that there's that that you know I, but is that free will i don't know let's not get into a philosophical debate <laughs> as such but i was just like thinking but their free will is that they won't get involved and you know after that they and they do get involved ultimately yeah. i mean yeah. so they're they're a bit you know sometimes sometimes but I, again we'll i see that and what if uh, coming up yeah i mean it was just um, more that bigger 
sort of out of the bounds of, of this, yeah. I guess. You know, I think the the first phases of MCU, you know, Thor was that because he was a god. He was that, but we're starting. You know, then there was the Titan. Now we're getting the Eternals. It's like there's like a scale up I think, <laughs> uh, happening. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, I know. I know. She says there's only one person that can have free will, and that's who's in control, effectively. Yeah. So, unless she's going to Florida to maybe uh, find a whale. Yeah, that's true. That's free willy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, I took it as that. It was like who is whoever's in control has the free will, and that's who she's going to find free will. That person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think based on the ending, she potentially finds that person Maybe. because the statue is that person who's in control, mm-hmm. that yeah. free will, and should probably mention Judge Renslayer is a love interest of Kang the Conqueror. In the comics. In the right. comic books. Yeah. Yeah. So my assumption being that she may have gone back in time, created a fork in one of the forks where she has interacted with He Who Remains at an early stage and go, you don't need all three of them. You are the one who remains. You are the, t- the head of the TVA. Yeah. This is the thing. And you have the organization to do the free will. So when we get back, because there's a question of like, when Sylvie, and we'll get into that now, is that when Sylvie kicks Loki through and to the ending, is it an altered universe or like, where are we going into this? I think it's still the same universe, quote unquote. Uh, it hasn't gone multiverse just yet. It's been changed by Judge Renslayer yeah. at that pre- a previous point in time. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good thought. Yeah, uh, let's talk about variant four then. Um, the choice of Sylvie. She the the decision is left with them from uh, from he who remains. Uh, Loki seems kind of interested in it. I kind of I kind of like the. Uh, it's almost inferred that that's a comment from he who remains saying I I have to do bad things sometimes to do kind of the greater good. And Loki's going. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can do bad things sometimes to, for the greater good. I justify my bad things quite often. Um, but he seems like he's going to go along with it. And then we finally get the kiss between Sylvie and Loki. Um, you know, the kiss the- heard around the world on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I thought this was, this was fun for me. This was, this was to a degree, we get a, a, a fantastic battle between the two Lokis again, which we, we only got t- touches of across the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Um and this was a, this was a good one and it very much set up the um the distinction between Sylvie and our Loki. Um in terms of he's like no, like the greater good think about it, and very much it's vengeance versus yeah, vengeance versus the greater good. It, well, the perceived or the the suggested greater good yes. control um to resume that control and i did like the the moral conundrum um put in place here i am not against the kiss i i'm not against the love interest i think it was quite it, it, it's a good it it makes sense in terms of the character and the story and the development um but it was a ruse wasn't it i mean i i mean i know like obviously with what happened with the nexus event that it could, and we, you know, there's definitely feelings, but I mean, yeah. ultimately, she kissed him in order to push him back through and and get him out of there. Yeah, that's what I was questioning. That's, I mean, that's how I saw it because, yeah. um, she's a Loki. There's a betrayal now, and yeah. she certainly pushed him, um, unless it was someone else. But I don't see how, unless it was Kang, I guess, or he who remains. I should, but yeah. I, I just assumed it was. 
I mean, firstly, I just was amazed that his head wasn't chopped off with a sword anyway. So I, there, there was part of me kind of processing that, to be honest. But then, you know, they come together, but it is clear she's, she's playing on that to stop the fighting. And mm. it might just be that to stop the fighting. Um, so that she can take her choice that she's made without, she doesn't want to debate it. Yeah. Yeah. I like how, um, how he who remains right. undercuts the two of them and their relationship as well. You know, where he's, where he's kind of saying, could you ever not betray someone to Loki? And then saying to her, could you ever trust him? Like, <laughs> so the two of you can rule together in the same timeline. You can have everything you want effectively by being here and, and taking over my job. But could you trust her and could she trust you? Uh, well, or which he, one yeah. of you will backstab first? And he's effectively setting this up. Where yeah, he does. She does backstab. He, he yeah. sows the, the seeds of this mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, she, asks Loki why he can't see this in the same way as her. And, you know, very just before he gets pushed through that, uh, the, the tempad door, it's you can't trust me and I can't be trusted, which is exactly the setup yeah. of he who remains has done uh, in that moment. Um, you know, in, in earlier on in, in his office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed this. I didn't, I honestly didn't expect the, um, the portrayal. I, 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 I didn't. Um, it, it, it was interesting to see. And again, it's, it's not, well, we say a portrayal. I don't know if, know if it was. It was, I, she, Sylvie has a mission. She has had a single goal since she was a child. Yeah. But Loki and, may see it as a betrayal. It's oh, not sorry. Necessarily yes, that yes, she's. Yes doing a betrayal i just feel she for her i think the investment because she was plucked as a child yeah um has fought since a child i mean she says i was born before you um you know i was, she, I was plucked from the timeline yeah. before you were born yeah. is what she so, says and, and, and has he's been a on thousand the years old isn't he he's he's a he's a proper god effectively he's been around for a very long time so yes uh, she's been around even longer than that, uh, and been traveling, hiding all on her own. So she is there for revenge, absolutely. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. Um, it, it's just I, I'm so not what I was expecting, and yeah. it it did not. It's a like the he who remains comment, as you guys put it earlier. Like it's like see you soon, as the blade is. It wasn't even vicious, or no, no, no. It was it was just it was to sink in, and you could have. You could have taken away very much from that by having an almost a, a beheading. You yeah. could have had a, a violent death and just the anger, and that would have detracted from the scene completely. Absolutely. So the choice of just, I hate to say, sliding the blade in yeah. is just fantastic. It was cleverly done. I yeah. really was. You need his reaction, his moment of, oh, this is how it ends. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, that's fine. I'll be back. Yeah. If, I, if I'm going to be back, I'll be back, basically. Because uh, he doesn't trust that Sylvie's going to protect that sacred timeline, effectively, uh, that he's created, I think, uh, is, is the indication. Because we don't get to see a resolution with that. We don't get to see her sitting in the chair and making any decisions or taking over the TVA or anything like that. We simply get her sitting there having struck revenge and uh, pushing Loki back out uh, through the time door, which is our final variant, uh, Loki returning to the TVA. Um I have a question on this. Mm-hmm. Is it important that it was the piece of equipment that he who remains has that Sylvie used to create the time door? 
remember he was he was traveling back and forth or at least he was communicating back and forth between multiverses is it important that she created a time door using his device is it still possible that loki has traveled across to another verse to another multi another one of the universes effectively is it possibly that's what's happened here that's why he is so that's why nobody understands him nobody knows who he is is because he's traveled across a universe rather than just through time yeah it's i don't know i haven't got my head around it yet because i mean the the whole thing from um this is about multi versus so this is about uh, you know, it is time and space, but it's different spaces where mm-hmm. time yes. runs, and everything for from the um, end game was the idea that it's new time that's created, and it's the same with this branching that that timeline still remains. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. It it, it could uh, to me. I'm still it's. Wait and see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is either going to be as as Chris said, which I think is a really good idea. Yeah. It's just whether season two wants to be that loop of what we've got already, or do something else. And you know, there's a number of films that have come out since then, and so they've got to at least, I guess, be referential to that in some way. So we'll see how the movies go um, and so on. That yeah. it's Renslayer has done this event back in time on the timeline that is considered sacred. And if if she's wanting to protect that, she wouldn't do it to any other timeline. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's gone back to the TVA where something's changed, yeah. but has preserved the sacredness of the timeline. Or it's not just a tem pad, it's a tem and space pad, yeah. um, effectively, that can move through. And, and that's the thing. Because the only tempad that is there is the one um, worn by Kang. Yes. So my theory to a degree is that this will film in 2022 with a release in 2023 as a potential series episode. And then, yes, you've got that point. You've got Multiverse of Madness. You'll have at some point, either pre or post, you'll have probably around the same time, you'll have Quantum Mania. And I think it's all going to tie to a degree at that point. I... I'm so interested to see how how they approach this. Mm-hmm. Because the interesting thing was when you hear B-15 and Mobius um, discussing, they're like, oh, did he do it? Why is like, what's he doing? He, w- the, the, the dialogue is meant to go, oh, they're talking about Loki. Mm-hmm. And then as Loki runs up, no, they're not talking about Loki because they don't know who Loki is. Mm-hmm. They're talking about he who remains. Or whoever that statue or is. Somebody. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, because all of the branch timelines are going crazy at that point. Mm. I think, I think the only reason point. I want it to be the multiverse is because we mentioned the rug being pulled out so often by Marvel on this multiverse thing. They've mentioned that they, they incorporated it in Spider-Man. They've incorporated it in, in WandaVision as a concept yeah. that there is multiverse. And then they've just pulled the rug every time. But finally here, if we don't get Loki yeah. going to the other another universe instead of going back in time, then they've done it again, <laughs> effectively. That's the only reason I want it. So yeah. I'm hoping that it's just he's gone to another universe. He has to work his way back over to our universe to, to finish this uh, fight in season two or something. Well, but, yeah. well, that's it. And as well, I guess if it is only there's only one TVA, that's the question. 
Are there other TVAs in other? Because if they're they're determining the sacred timeline, it's only this authority. Yeah. So the so TVA this... sits outside, exists outside exactly, of time exactly. and space. They so, sit in the limbo. But then the statue on offer is of he who remains. Mm-hmm. So is he the robot pretending to... And it is the three um, timekeepers that are at the edge of time yeah. in this yeah. one. The question or is it know. that it's completely different where he who remains doesn't sit on the edge of time directing it? He's, he is there because there's not this... So, I mean... Yeah, this is just like there's a lot of different permutations That's here, and um, so the world yeah, is open. No wonder to... they got season two, or yeah. I guess how it will maybe play out within or through different parts of the movies. Yeah. Come all out. just theories right now. Hopefully, we'll get uh, more information as we go through all the rest of the movies. Exactly as you're saying. Uh, anything else we do know about this episode? Any notes that you want to bring up about this episode? Just a very quick one. Um, the fact that we now have uh, he who remains. Um, and potentially his variation of Kang the Conqueror, means the young Avenger, Iron Lad, who is a, a, a variant himself, a younger version of Kang and Amortis, and he who remains, uh, is on the table. Um, and we have been seeing that uh, across uh, the across all of these episodes and films, we're seeing the potential introduction of Young Avengers mm-hmm. uh, with WandaVision and uh, with the Hawkeye coming up. We are seeing these introductions. Yep. So Abyss Marvel. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think potentially the door is now opened for a, an Iron Lad, yep. which is brilliant. Like we had Kid uh, Loki last week, maybe another Young Avengers. Yes. This, this team sounds exactly. as big as the Avengers. Uh, the more it goes on, the yeah. more people I hear are on this team that I never heard of before. Uh, excellent stuff. Anything from you, John? No, no notes from me. Excellent. So overall, do you defend the season finale of Loki? Episode 6, for all time, always. John? Yeah, I really do. Love this episode. I uh, really defend uh, this episode of Loki. I give this four and a half apples at the edge of time out of five. Mm. Um, I just really liked, um, Jonathan Majors here. I just liked everything, all the different permutations and connections, whether it's to the movies, whether it's to season two. Certainly, uh, that was a big thing because I think I haven't really discussed it much, but, um, it was a bit of a jolt at the end. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Because I didn't know there was going to be a season two. Yeah. Didn't even know the rumors. And actually I was thinking, okay, well then what is the, the end credit? And we have had one earlier. And so I was thought, you know, the camera was going to pan out from that document after the stamp had gone down. And then obviously it releases and it's season two. So it's like, okay, fine. That's perfect. And I guess, you know, 1.1 season will potentially filter into parts of these upcoming movies yeah. that are yeah. happening as well. 1.2, depending on how many touchstones it does with the movies uh, before the season two. So, um, I, yeah, I, I really, really like this um, for sure. I thought Jonathan Majors was outstanding. Love him. Uh, I think he's really good. Um, so, yeah, do I do defend this. Four and a half apples at the edge of time out of five. Excellent. Chris, do you defend this episode of Loki? I do. It was definitely a choice. And it was a bold choice. It was a bo- it was a bold move, Cotton. And it kind of paid off. Um, the, the interesting thing is that 
I don't know if we'll get this next year, the continuation of this next year. So it is a even bolder move mm-hmm. when you've got a two-year gap, potentially, like 18 months gap between two seasons. This is a choice they've made, and it seems like it will pay off. It's also, as John said, and as Derek, as you said, every rumor, every permutation, and every theory was both correct and incorrect at the same time. Yeah. So everyone got their cake, and everyone got to eat it. <laughs> will Pretty people much. see it like that, or will they say, will they look at it the other way around and go, it wasn't exactly right? <laughs> So that's the question. And I I honestly don't think it's an issue. I think this was this was clever clever writing and my only what I would have preferred and I, I I'm just gonna say my only preference would have been another episode. Maybe not even a full episode, just another episode where we get to see a bit more with Mobius and Judge Renslayer, a bit more with B-15, because what we essentially got was 12 Angry Men in a single room stage play with a couple bits of sprinkle outside mm. of that, where I just wanted a bit more, like, like we didn't get enough B-15. We didn't get enough Mobius. And we're going to get that in season two. That's fine. I just would have see, preferred to see that a bit more of the wider play. So that's where I'm going with the extra 20 minutes, where they surprise us with, here's your extra... Here's your extra variant scene, and it's kind of whatever you would. You, you could have come up with anything. So, yes, I, I completely defend it. It's just a bold move, and I'm going to interest to see if it pays off. Derek, do you defend this episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I really, really thought it was a great ending to a first season, something we haven't seen before from the MCU. We've never seen a first season of a show. True going into a second season. We've seen WandaVision, a first standalone show. We've seen Falcon the Winter Soldier, which is becoming Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the movie. We, we That's the way they've set that up. Um, WandaVision going into Doctor Strange. We have this now going into a second season. Um, this is how they do it. There are choices when you do when you do a first season of a show. It's um, let's leave a massive cliffhanger so they come back for the second season or let's tie up the story and give a little touch to what season two is going to be like. And this the, the way they chose to do it was cliffhanger. Um, but with, I thought, an excellent episode. I love Jonathan Majors throughout this episode, the introduction of him in here, what it means for the universe and the, all the theories that we can talk about from now until we actually get some of them confirmed uh, when things happen down the line. I think that's a, a great way to do this show. And wow, did it look stunning. Uh, John, you already mentioned uh, how amazing the Citadel itself looked and the the uh, effects that were used at the beginning of the episode and throughout, uh, I thought were, were really, really top quality. It looked like a, a movie every week for, for the most part. Um, really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, definitely defend this episode. Let's go on to the pub for our final pub quiz question. John, what's the pub quiz question for episode six? Yes, fellow quizzes, fellow defenders, it is question six of the pub quiz. Uh, the question is, how many sugars does Loki take in his coffee at the Citadel at the end of time? Mm. So, fellow defenders, answers through the usual channel of feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Send in your answer to question six, as well as if you are building them all up and sending them in one batch, then you can send your answers to questions one to six there. We'll be doing the draw 
uh, at uh, the end of our wrap-up episode next week. So make sure to get your uh, answers in before um, the 21st of July uh, next week, and you'll be in a in with a chance to get your hands on some Loki goodies. You can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com forward slash Loki pub quiz to see uh, the range of goodies that the 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 person who's pulled out of the hat uh, is voiced by Google uh, in her selection there. Which of the four Funko Pops on offer, um, or which three of the four Funko Pops uh, on offer uh, you would like to um, receive and display in all their TVA glory. Yes, I think because of the secrecy around the show, we mentioned earlier on in the, in the season that the, the Loki merchandise has been a lot slower coming out than yes. all the rest of the shows we've had so far. So we're giving you a choice. Whoever is the winner of the pub quiz gets their choice of three Loki Funko Pops uh, details over on the website, tvpodcastindustry.com. There's a link. Uh, pop on in there. It has all six of the questions that we have for Loki Season 1. John, do you want to give a recap of the questions really quick before we get into our uh, feedback? Let's give a recap of the six questions we have for our Loki pub quiz. If I must. Loki episode one, glorious purpose question. What speed is Loki moving at after being clobbered by Hunter B-15 in the Gobi Desert? Mm-hmm. For episode two, the variant question. When was Kablooey chewing gum sold? Loki episode three lamentous question. Loki and Sylvie are taking the train to the Ark, but where on lamentous one is the Ark located? What's the name of the city? Loki episode four the Nexus event question. Before returning to Sylvie, Hunter B fifteen sees a poster on the wall. What does it ask, and what is the answer? For episode five the journey into mystery question. How many Lokis do we see in this episode in the void at the end of time? And finally, just a recap of uh, for all time, always question from this episode. How many sugars does Loki take in his coffee in the Citadel at the end of time? There are some difficult questions in there. You have until the 21st. If you put in an answer that you don't think is correct, you still have time to update those answers before the 21st July. Just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And let's pop on over to check in with the listeners and get some feedback on Loki, the final episode. Yes. First up, we had email from Jerry. He goes, hey, guys, let's start with another haiku for Chris. Kang the Conqueror, Sylvie becoming Loki. Phase four has begun. Well done, Jerry. Well, you, that, you, well, that's perfect. You missed last week's haiku from Jerry, Chris. So, uh, so thanks, Jerry, for repeating that. That's really good of you. Thank you so much. Jerry goes on to say, "Holy crap, we got Kang the Conqueror! What a great way to present the character to all the casual MCU fans." Jonathan Majors is great casting. The smug banter from Kang is brilliant. Telling Loki and Sylvie his history and all the timelines, the three choices he gives the couple is indeed the heart of the matter. Kang confirming to everyone, we're all villains here. Mm. Loki understands what Kang is saying. Some variant worse than him will take his place. Then Sylvie and Loki kiss. She says the ironic phase, but I'm not you. She betrays Loki and kills Kang and royally screws up everything, thus becoming a Loki herself. 
what a great cliffhanger everything's changed what a great episode of doctor who i mean loki <laughs> i predicted the marvel phase four was a multiverse war i also thought we would get a season two i now think we'll get four seasons and wrap up phase four in an avengers movie or a fantastic four movie oh yeah now that this has happened the What If series will make more sense to casual MCU fans. Mm-hmm. One more thing. Kang helping Renslayer escape. So true to the comics. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, Jerry and Niceville. Thanks so much, Jerry. Yeah, definitely. The second all of this happened at the end, I went, oh, this is the What If. This is perfect. Like Now, now people will understand What If. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's literally What If is essentially our next um, uh, MCU property on Disney Plus starting in the middle or end of uh, August, about a, about a month from now. August 11th, yep. Oh, yeah, so yeah. literally a month from now. <laughs> Way. Yeah, the uh, the brand new animated show, uh, taking a look at the MCU and what, what would be different uh, if certain things were changed in the MCU. But I think that'll make, yeah, I think Jerry's right, that'll make so much more sense after seeing uh, this episode of Loki. Uh, loving all the fours there, Jerry. There'll be four seasons of Loki, which will wrap up Phase 4 with a Fantastic Four movie. All the fours. I love it. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much. Also over an email, Coffee and Vodka says, Greetings, remaining defenders. Do you appreciate all the exposition you can get about the MCU's version of Timey Wimey Timelines? Have you always wanted to see a darker ending of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? If you answered yes to both of these questions, then you, like me, very much enjoyed this episode. Turns out he who remains is the Kang who remains standing atop the dead Kang pile. Is that a statue of Loki's reincarnated host or another Kang at the end of the show? The setup for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is checked off the list as well as the introduction of the villain in Quantumania. Fine cliffhangers all around for all the cast of Loki Season 2. All in all, a tidy ending. Finally, I look forward to the next bestseller, Love Yourself the Loki Way. (laughs) (laughs) See you, gentlemen, on whatever next series is covered, hopefully before Doom Patrol Season 3. As always, take care, and thanks for all you do, Coffee and Vodka. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. And yes, essentially, that is potentially the best title for the book and i want to read that book yeah thanks coffee and vodka uh yeah love the uh the uh author of your book as well uh by crisper um <laughs> you definitely need a bit of genetic alteration uh to uh yes love yourself the the loki way yeah. uh great stuff victor on email says hail Derek, john chris and fellow defenders wow I've much to say regarding this finale, and I will start with two words, Jonathan Majors. His performance had me on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. I could not have been more impressed if Dr. Doom himself showed up. Indeed, uh, I think I would be with you there, Victor. I'm eager to see Jonathan as various iterations of Kang. I feel everything about this finale, from opening montage to musical score, was very dynamic. The appearance of Miss Minutes in the Citadel was mildly surprising and very funny. When Sylvie kissed Loki, I was convinced she would kill He Who Remains. But what is Sylvie going to do now? Wait for another Kang to appear? Ravona is off to seek free will. Her comics version had a history with Kang. Loki might not want to tell all to Mobius in the Kang TVA. Mm-hmm. Might we get some idea of the newly born multiverse in the upcoming What If series? As always, I am looking forward to your podcasts and Defenders feedback. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. 
Yes, I think um, I, I do like the Kang TVA. I think that would be uh, it's not vowels, it's Kangs. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, what if just takes on a whole whole new meaning uh, with this uh, in one? Can you imagine a, a universe with Marvel zombies? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that would be even. Probably worse than The Walking Dead, I guess. We'll see it next month, though, John. It's gonna yeah. be awesome. Yeah, well, no, I can't wait. I love, yeah. I love Marvel Zombies, but multi, uh, you know, space traveling, um, interstellar mm-hmm. zombies in, in one universe. It's be uh, fun. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be holidaying in that universe, um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I don't um, think any of us would last very long if that was the case. <laughs> unless I felt like a little nibble. Um, but yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I love the idea of Sylvie sitting at the Citadel at the end of time, just waiting for, uh, for a new, a new Kangs or a new he who remains turning up and just beheading them one by one, <laughs> creating her own Kang pile of, uh, of corpses effectively. Just that's, that's her revenge. She's going to get to sit here and kill anyone that comes through that door. Uh, I love that idea. Yeah. I, I do like your use of Kang here, Victor. It's like, um, you know, do, will we get Kang Coca Cola maybe? Um, or as I say, maybe King Kang um, as well. Uh, all all these different versions, sort of a, a gorilla Kang, I guess. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Thanks so much, Victor. Thanks Thank you Victor. so much, Victor. We next up have an email from Storm who went, "Hey guys, I really enjoyed the podcast. Sad that it's over along with the series, but was delighted to see that there will be, as rumored, a season two. I really enjoyed the final episode." Big revelations, but so much unresolved. I hope we don't have to wait too long to see more. Interesting that it currently seems like the advocates of free will and the right to choose, i.e. the Lokis, Mobius and B-15, might be in the wrong. And the moral of the story is that we are all better off with a benevolent dictator. I look forward to seeing if that and Renslayer are proved correct as it's looking pretty likely right now. While I enjoyed the fight between Sylvie and Loki, it was sad, if fitting, to see Sylvie show her true Loki colours, choosing revenge over companionship and love. Perhaps she just wasn't as into it as our Loki, and didn't fancy spending an eternity with a version of herself with a crush on her. Slightly surprised they actually went there with the kiss, thought things might stay at an awkward blanket level. Hopefully the two will be reunited in season two. I like to think Sylvia might come and find Loki now she has completed her life's purpose of revenge. Will this betrayal set our Loki back in terms of trust? I hope not. Also sad to see Mobius B-15 not remembering Loki. Clearly Marvel's not over kicking him when he's down. Does this mean Loki's in another branch of the multiverse where they've never met? Hopefully multiverse means more variant Lokis to come. Will be interesting to see how this plays out into the wider MCU, undoubtedly to be picked up in Doctor Strange. And wasn't there something kind of sanctum like about the styling of Kang He Remains Layer and Outfit? But I wonder where else. Thanks for the chat, guys. Storm. Thank you so much for that, Storm. And yeah, um, there was definitely, I was getting Sanctum, Sanctorum like vibes, but uh, I will let our. Uh, strange aficionado discuss that more than i will yes yeah it definitely had that vibe um i guess with all the the dark interior uh, and with the round window behind him and even just his tempad as well that that round dial just i guess 
Uh, that's the thing I, with Kang. Is that his like little symbol that's on that ten pad? That almost like cracked face of it because it was running all the way through the building as well. Mm. And whether that was just something to do with the different maybe it's it's scars from branching timelines previously that hit the citadel at the edge of time or, or whatever. But certainly, um, yeah, it 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 certainly felt sanctum esque uh, for sure. Yeah, see that. Thanks so much, Storm, for your thoughts uh, about the episode. Really good of you to, to listen along with us, and hope you've been enjoying it. Show's not over. We will be over on TVPodcastIndustries.com with uh, even more podcasts and specifically Marvel. Lots more to talk about for Marvel this year. Yeah, thanks so much, Storm. We also got an email in from Chloe, age 12. Chloe says, Hello, sorry, I forgot to write it for the fifth episode. Been busy with theatre camp about a minotaur, war and blood. But I have been able to listen to your podcast and watch Loki. Here are four points of what I thought of it. Number one, I liked how the Marvel intro every time a superhero showed up with their voiceover. Very cool. Two, I found it just creepy and weird when Miss Minutes showed up at the castle and was like, Hi, it's not totally creepy to show up talking about he who remains. I never liked that clock. (laughs) <laughs> Three, the he who remains guy was not as cool as I thought he would be because I thought he'd be somebody else. But still, I guess in a way he was cool. My mom said it was her favorite part, though, and loves that actor. But I have no idea who he is. Number four, I liked how the post credit scene said Loki will be back for season two. But beside the creepy clock and he who remains, I liked the episode a lot. And I'm looking forward to season two from Chloe, age 12 years old. Chloe also included another photograph of her dog, Happy Harlem. Gorgeous picture. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks, Chloe, uh, for that. And, and if you don't like this variation of this character, if you're not a big fan um, because he's not as cool as you think, there's going to be plenty more. And I guess mm-hmm. um, that will be coming on their way in this multiple um, variant-filled uh, range of different universes. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Great to hear from you, Chloe. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks again, Chloe. Over on Twitter, uh, Matt Murdock says, what a lovely tie-in for you guys to have Jonathan Majors revealed as He Who Remains just shortly after Lovecraft Country gets 18 Emmy noms. He was fantastic. An episode of nothing but exposition. It was basically a writer's room meeting. Sets everything up for the rest of Phase 4. Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is, you know, in, in the, in the way that they describe one division, uh, you know, was directly connected in with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Um, I, I guess because of the more secrecy around this, I feel this connects in even more so, um, as well, uh, or at least, you know, to that same level to Multiverse of Madness, but also, as you say, just that wider scale of the rest of phase four uh, as well. Um, So yeah, great stuff. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Over on our Facebook group over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. uh, We got some further feedback. First up, it's Greg Schwab. He says, Oh my god, 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 oh my god. I may have added an extra oh my god there in that one, Greg. I think I'm more excited by the possibilities of what is coming after Loki than I was after either WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The possibilities are endless, no pun intended. I think that knowing that Jonathan Majors is cast as Kang spoils this a little, since that title was never used in the episode. 
but I love the idea of the benevolent, all-knowing dictator, and his explanation throws me back to the show Sliders, if versions or variants of Quinn were power-hungry. Yes. And and Jonathan Majors was awesome in this role. His delivery was perfect as the old, tired defender who is finally willing to channel his inner Elsa and let it go and let the cards fall as they may. And season two, I cannot wait. Yes, I think we can say Jonathan Majors is a fellow defender, even if a little tired (laughs) um, and and old because of his his protection of of the sacred timeline. Um, Greg finishes with, not sure why this excites me as much as it does. And I can see how some people could be disappointed in this ending, but my mind is spinning with the possibilities and I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. Yeah, thanks so much, Greg. I think that's it. It's it's the true cliffhanger mm-hmm. um, in every sense of the word, but not just for season two, but also for a number of the upcoming movies because you have the the tie to Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Doctor Strange is in uh, the next Spider-Man movie. Yep. Um, you know, there's just so much. There's the whole... You know, the young Avengers having been teased through WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and now uh, with the many variants of, of Kang that are possible uh, with um, Iron Kid, and as as Chris mentioned. So uh, this is just like, you know, you could salivate over the possibilities, really. And of course, we've got the time to watch it all play out and see uh, where this imagination uh, goes. Uh, so yeah, thanks so much, Greg. Yes, thanks so much, Greg. And we'll be salivating all over the podcasts with our theories over the next umpteen months and years until mm-hmm. we get season two. Also over on Facebook, we got some feedback from Kay Patterson who said, cliffhanger, you monsters. <laughs> I added the dramatic flair. I know the multiverse had to happen and had a hunch, Sylvie, was too far gone to not rashly get revenge somehow, as justified as her feelings were. But Loki trapped at the TVA with a Mobius who doesn't know him? That was a gut punch. He's alone in a Sam Beckett hell with nothing but his wits and a broken heart. Poor guy. He's gonna need his own 24-7 dedicated psychiatrist when this is all over. Overall, I was thinking about how it would be nice if someone besides the Simpson had called out that Loki has been subjected to some awful parenting and his feelings of being pushed aside and his interests and talents not appreciated by his father were justified, even if he acted on them poorly. But they could have been a starting point for some genuine healing, even with the interrogation room speed chess psychoanalysis that they did for plot reasons. Just a one-line acknowledgement. The throne room scene with a King Loki, a fake spoiler from Marvel? A very Loki thing to do. I'm impressed. Cannot wait for season two. Thanks so much for that feedback, Kay. And yeah, no, that is one of the the... the True Marvely Loki things to do. You're right. That in a lot of the promo shots and the materials and the trailers, there was a King Loki throne room scene where Loki is in full Odin regalia 
and uh, is standing atop the dais and with his arms out and it was everything and that's why so many rumours thought that the He Who Remains would be actually revealed to be King Loki or a very Loki. The, 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 the head of the TVA was going to be a Loki and that was just never there. Interesting. I never saw that. Thank you. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really good. Um, I could see how people would, would mistake that for a spoiler as well. Uh, Kay's referencing the Simpsons, uh, the good, the Bart and the Loki, uh, kind of a, I'd say it's eight minutes long, but it's probably only about three minutes long, kind of, um, where it incorporates all of the Avengers characters and has a visit from, visit from Loki played by Tom Hiddleston in this yeah. little short that was up on Disney, uh, last week. Bit of fun, uh, to drop into. It's kind of just interesting seeing, uh, your favorite Simpsons characters drawn as, uh, as, uh, Avengers and uh, and Marvel characters. Uh, check it out. It's a bit of fun. Thanks so much, Kay. Yeah, yes, thank you so much, Kay. And yeah. just for everyone else, Sam Beckett is from Quantum Leap, if you are too young to understand the Sam Beckett reference. Yes, we have a Sliders reference from Greg and a uh, Quantum Leap reference from Kay. Excellent stuff. Yeah, thanks <laughs> so it. much, Kay. Heather Wallace says, I deliberately kept away from casting news, so I didn't know who this was until he referred to himself as a conqueror. Right, I said to myself, it's Kang. As soon as the snippets of voices from the MCU film started, I knew this would be a special episode and it didn't disappoint. I did cringe a bit at Loki and Sylvie locking lips, but it's an interesting way to introduce love for Loki. No one wants to see Tom Hiddleston's Loki with a love interest. We all want to be the love interest, so having him fall for a version of himself keeps the peace. There you go. Yep, I'm looking forward to season two. Exactly. I think, I think that's totally right, Heather, and uh, really good feedback. You know, not only did they keep everyone happy by having the right people sat in the Citadel at the edge of time, um, but also they've kept Loki single. Exactly. Yeah. And as we said before, uh, to quote RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how are you able to love anybody else? <laughs> so that's a slightly Irish twist on, the, on RuPaul. Thanks so much for that, Heather. Donald Dennis says, how will it end? Apparently it won't. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Thomas says, this finale was reasonably diverting. I was never bored and had a nice creepy final scene. There were many funny moments in the series, although the vast majority were in the pilot. Still my favourite episode by far and conversely, almost no humour in the finale. And there were some nice character beats. But I remain steadfast in my belief that the actual plot, world-building, mythology of this show does not make a lick of sense. It appears the sacred timeline really was an actual thing, yet there was not just a female Loki, but also an alligator Loki and a frog Thor, none of whom were pruned in infancy, or better yet, in utero, and I hope this nonsensicality is not going to affect the rest of the, of the MCU, or I will find myself checking out. I'll add that even aside from my specific issues regarding coherence or lack thereof, there's a broader peril in what they are doing. Free will versus predestination is a great, fascinating subject for a standalone science fiction movie or show. I highly recommend Alex Garland's miniseries Devs on Hulu for this reason, but it's a problematic way to approach an overarching framing story for a cinematic universe that plays out over a number of films and series in which predestination is not the subject. I say that because it robs the other stories of stakes. Every time we saw heroes saving the world or even the universe, perhaps by some noble personal sacrifice, there was nothing really on the line. If the heroes had failed to play their expected parts, some technicians of the TVA would have flagged it, Field agents would have been sent out, perhaps bringing back Infinity Stones as paperweights, the timeline would have been reset and everyone could hang up their gear, and in their lockers, 
and go and get a salad at the cafeteria or have a drink in Ramona's office, or maybe even go out to karaoke night at a pub, calling a TVA Uber that comes in one of those flying cars and visible out the TVA windows, but which we never saw anyone actually use. <laughs> Interesting take, Alan. Um, yeah, I, I would like to have seen somebody in one of those taxis. Um, I'm sure they were just used for taking people home from uh, from late nights of work at the TVA. Um, it's an interesting debate, and I'm not too sure whether they went into it in depth enough for for to, to really inform an opinion about whether it's about predestination. It's about one guy controlling a timeline that he wants to protect, and if someone does anything that pushes the timeline to the point of a multiversal war, that's why they're being pruned. So I don't think it's about every single person has no decision in their life and everything is predestined. It's about if those choices that are made massively affect the timeline and push it towards a multiversal war, then he he makes the decision to prune them from that timeline. So I think there's individual choice here and there. So the idea of not pruning Lokis the minute they, they, they're born, the reason for that is because it's only when they get to a point when they've done something that may affect the timeline, that's that's when they... Uh, are found and taken out of the timeline. Would that is that your understanding as well, guys? Yeah, I I took it that way. Um, I can completely see where he, Alan's coming from in this yeah. the, 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 this direction and this, this feeling. The one thing I will say though is, you you only get a feeling of no stakes your second viewing of a film. Exactly, because the first film like it can go any direction. Yeah. So that same predestination theoretically is always going to be there because you've already seen the film once already. So part of that predestination is you knowing the, the actual destination. We're getting very meta here. What I'm trying to say is you are the one who is in charge of the sacred timeline because you are watching the films and therefore you know where the destination is going yeah, at the of. end of the destination of your second viewing. Kind wow. of. But remember, in the MCU, we did have Doctor Strange putting up his finger and going, there's only one decision that can be made here to solve Endgame. He is effectively saying that we have to go down this path or else we will not save the the universe from Thanos. So we have already had this before in the universe. This True. idea, the only one way to go. And proclaimed by Doctor Strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's... Different and the same because we're also talking about multiverses as well as time. So it's time and space now. It's not just about time like in, in Endgame. I think, um, I think Alan, I, like Chris, I can see your point. I, I think the predestination about it is that nothing matters. Because it was predestined that they can pull this one out. Um, and I guess that effectively, um, and we know this from the comics, no one ever dies in the MCU kind of thing or in, in Marvel comics. So I, I guess it's whether bringing, you know, that into a, for a, a cinema audience, I guess. Um, and I guess when you're doing this long form, this is where it all changes uh, it up. But I, I think, well, we did mention it, I think earlier on in Loki, I think it came through from some feedback, I think, from Ryan about the idea that the timeline's actually a rope so that there are many threads within that mm-hmm. and that, that, you know, there could be a number of different choices within that timeline. And I think, you know, we talked about, I think I mentioned about confidence uh, intervals or whatever, that within that timeline there is free choice, but it's the perspective that you're seeing from this idea of outside of it. So like a celestial or an eternal that they see it as predestined. So 
But yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I think that possibly is a concern for sure. Yeah. And definitely, uh, Alan, definitely when I say, yeah, your recommendation for devs, it was excellent. Really, yeah. really enjoyed devs. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, also on Facebook, Jamie Lawton says, what freaks me out is that on the strength of your various podcasts, I started watching Lovecraft Country yesterday. Now I feel that I'm a variant on a timeline controlled by you guys. <laughs> we are the ones who remain. We are the three timekeepers or podcast keepers <laughs> uh, of yes. the, T- the TVPI podcast. We, we need timeline. to do, yeah, we need to do one of those uh, images like we did for the the boys and Umbrella Academy, but uh-huh. this time we need some kind of like lizardy sort of look to our face uh, for sure. Thanks so much, uh, Jamie. I'm sure uh, Instagram has a filter for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think so. Um, Ronaldo says. What a finale, and though it will most likely not astonish the non-comic book readers, this is big for all who knows Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. I was initially slightly off-put by Majors' interpretation of Kang, but I now realise he's not the Kang we're all expecting. A more devious, evil and ruthless version is on the way, thanks to Sylvie, and I just cannot wait. I hung on every word Majors delivered, and I seriously was in such a head spin. I really didn't know which way this finale was headed, but I have to say, this sets things up beautifully. Again, I'm not sure this would have the same impact to those who are unfamiliar with Kang, but I hope it doesn't alienate them for what I thought was a great, if not unexpected, finale. Uh, absolutely, Ronaldo. I, I think um totally there with you around not really um being slightly on board slightly put off like you say uh, around kang uh, as 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 i mentioned um because you're expecting something different but yes there will be wave after wave of multiversal kangs mm-hmm. i guess in whatever form uh, that they they will come in and uh, certainly i think um yeah uh, majors jonathan majors was just literally so good in this and i think um you know i'm so glad to have covered lovecraft country where yeah. he is also just phenomenal such a good show so, yeah so yeah. uh big thanks ronaldo yep yeah, thanks so much ronaldo we also have some feedback from mark kirkman who said i thought it was really good a lot of what we were witnessing was this branch timeline that loki and sylvia were in there are multiple timelines with the tva within it as well that is where we will see our Loki go to when Sylvie opened up that portal with Kang's time band. Love that we got the intro to Kang within the MCU here. Jonathan Majors was awesome with the version of Kang. I love that they give his take on how it all happened without him saying his name as well. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. And yeah, pretty much that. Like, again, he does not introduce himself outside of He Remains. He goes, I was a conqueror. I was mm-hmm. XYZ. It's really fantastic take on that absolutely looking forward to hearing your thoughts uh, mark over in your own podcast looking forward to that uh, thanks so much uh richard blaze says wow there doesn't seem to be ironically enough time to write about the series we would need eons to dissect it all <laughs> i managed to keep off reading anything about the show for the past few weeks footy kick provided me with a decent distraction and so glad i managed to avoid the spoilers 
This show I have loved since the very first moment and the finale was probably not what people were expecting. Calmer, less bang bang, fighty fighty. I found just as intriguing as all the others before it. I missed Lovecraft Country. It's on my watch list, but Jonathan Majors appears to be an outstanding actor. His portrayal was comedic, heartwarming, sincere, but had enough maniacal menace when he needed to turn it on. Now, I may be wrong, often, according to my wife, or just stating the bleeding obvious, but I'm presuming the TVA at the end was from a different universe now, and that's why Loki was again referred to as a variant. My only grumble, the post credit scene, while elated, elated we did get a season two, I wanted just a few more precious minutes in their universe to hold on to. Thanks so much, Richard. <laughs> a lot of feelings that I have as well. Yeah, I think uh, a really, really good episode, but... um it felt short, didn't it? It felt yeah. like we needed a little bit more, a couple more minutes. 42 minutes again for the final episode. So, uh, so they are really playing with this format, uh, on their, on their episodes where some episodes Definitely. are close to an hour and some episodes closer to half an hour <laughs> at yeah. times. Uh, I'm really glad you enjoyed it there, Richard. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. Yeah. Thanks so much, Richard. And I really think, like I said, that 20 minutes would have been amazing. We also got some feedback from Celine Kisler who said, What's to come from this for Marvel is very exciting, but this ending and series on its own is very unsatisfying. This episode had a 47 minute runtime and about 35 of those minutes were just three people in a room talking. Setup anticipation matter. I prefer it not to be the primary excitement for an individual season of a TV or movie. One thing I will give credit to Marvel for is that they did something that not only have I never seen, but I've never thought of. They've introduced a character in a TV show via casting announcement for a movie. Thanks so much, Celine. I per- I think, I, I, I'm speaking for all of us, I think we all enjoyed the kind of three people in a room talking format. It's Absolutely. something we've never really seen. But I do understand where you're coming from. Some people prefer more of that. Uh, it just... Personally, and this, I love this format and the style as this ending. It was yeah. very raw and emotional and just a unique take. It's something we've not seen in the Marvel shows, but we've certainly seen sure. it before. <laughs> Sorry, we're, yes. We're yes, three yes. people in a room talking, Chris. Yes. <laughs> Virtually. Tutoring. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> thanks so much, Salim. Yeah, thanks, Salim. Uh, AJ Ebersole says, wow, what an amazing episode. At first, I felt like it was going to drag on, but this was a perfect ending. I'm not too knowledgeable about the comics, but when He Who Remains said he is known as a Conqueror, is that Kang the Conqueror? Mm-hmm. Also, it seemed like He Who Remains didn't put up much of a fight. I know he said it will be because he will end up right back where he is. I think there is more to it, though. I think he lied again. He knew what was going to happen. He knew Sylvia was going to kill him. What a heartbreaking moment when Loki realized that Mobius didn't recognize him, especially after that moment they shared in the last episode. But wow, what a way to announce a second season. Uh, thanks, AJ. Yeah, I mean, certainly Sylvie really doesn't believe Kang at all. You know, she calls him out as a liar. You're lying again. So, um, again, it would just some of the intricacies of what is said in this room. Um, you just never know with Marvel how they may inform or at least be used to, to, to describe something either in season two or something further down the line or in some of the movies who knows but uh certainly uh it was uh kang the conqueror yes mm-hmm. you are right there as well so uh thanks so much for your feedback there aj absolutely thanks aj we got a few voicemails in uh, on this episode Whoop. as well first up brandy lee sanderson sent in her thoughts 
I just wanted to say, in a show about Loki, the god of mischief, it is so fitting that the finale had all these twists and turns about who the big bad was. When Miss Minutes name dropped, He Who Remains, I was happy because I didn't want it to be another Loki. I felt that would be a disservice not only to the story they were telling, but also to the character growth that we had seen in Loki twice now. But I also have to admit that I was a little bit disappointed, not because I was craving Kang in any way, but I felt like He Who Remains would kind of end up being a throwaway character, and I wasn't sure how they were going to move forward with it. But then here comes Jonathan Major plot twist, and he is He Who Remains, but is he projecting Kang's face in some type of Ralph Boner-like prank on the audience? No, he's just the Kang who remains. And this is why I love the MCU. Thanks so much, Brandy. Jonathan Major plot twist. That is potentially the best title for this actor ever. And that is all we shall dub him going forward. (laughs) It is approved. It is decided. That is his name going forward. Well done. Totally brilliant, totally brilliant. And yes, this is exactly why we love the MCU as well. Uh, Brandy sent in a second voicemail with just some more thoughts about the episode too. Before Loki aired, I had been craving a scene with Loki and his mother that was going to be similar to the one that Thor got in Endgame. Then I found myself wondering why I wasn't disappointed. We never got that scene. And it could be because episode one had that impactful moment where Loki realizes that his actions played a part in her death but i think it has more to do with the fact that the character growth that we see within this series directly ties back to the fact that loki realizes that who he is and who he wants to be does not have to be who he's supposed to be which is a great callback to what frida tells thor in endgame it does kind of make the ending of this season so much sadder for me because Loki is alone. Everybody that he loves and cares for either doesn't remember him, didn't trust him and then betrayed him, or doesn't know he's alive. And it makes that scene that he had with Lady Sif in episode four all the more heartbreaking because you realize that that is what his fear has been all along. And here he's put himself out there and he's still alone. I don't know if he'll find that at least he tried or if it'll make him revert a little bit, but I'm interested to find out. Thanks, Brandy. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see whether he does revert. I suppose that's like we talked so much or I can say I talked so much about the character growth um, from in episode one to the end of episode one and beyond uh, of the Loki that they took from post Avengers to um, who had no interactions and none of the character growth and how they grew him very quickly and beyond where we were as a character of Loki when he died. Um, it would be a shame to see, but, um, him revert. But I, I think it's going to be, you know, that old adage, better to love and lost than never loved at all. Maybe. Hopefully, maybe they go down that route or they turn him evil. <laughs> That'd be turn him back to being a villain yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. We, we did hear from he who remains that all three of them in that room are villains so and he's seen a lot more of them than we have 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think like, as Chris said, totally sort of in agreement with, uh, the about just, and just as you say, Brandy, just how heart wrenching it is that he's been on this development to, you know, to really kind of make him a, a more rounded individual, but, uh, he's ultimately left, um, on his own in a place where people don't know him and effectively rejected um, or at least used uh, by the one person who he did think um, he had something special with. Exactly, exactly. Thanks so much, Brandy. Uh, we've also got a voicemail in from Dr. Bob Phillips. Hello, this is Bob. Thank you, Derek, Chris and John for another wonderful podcast uh, from TV Podcast Industries, the home of the greatest TV commentaries that ever exist. This is some feedback about the mid-season finale of Loki. Because, frankly, that can't be the end. We're six episodes in, but we need another six, and we need them preferably to come next week anyway. If they don't, then we'll just have to wait as the multiverse spreads out of control with some extremely evil character at the heart of it, who we don't yet know or understand. And it's all just incredibly tense. It was an absolutely thrilling finale that left more questions to me than answers. I'm sure that knowing the backstory of the unspoken characters, the the way that these interleave into old comic book things will get you even more excited than a completely naive viewer like myself. But this is definitely an exceptional way forwards. I'm really looking forward to listening to your podcast, but also to seeing when they bring out what they'll probably call season two, but should really be called season one B. Let's face it, it's basically a bit Doctor Who, isn't it? Thanks again for everything you do. It is a wonderful thing. Thanks so much, Dr. Bob. It's a wonderful thing you do as well. Great to, uh, great to have a voicemail in from you, uh, and, on, on Loki. Uh, I, I think it's, it's useful to call it the mid-season finale, isn't it? <laughs> Just gonna be, you know, two or three years, years. between this and yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It kind of feels like those old days of Gotham, John. Remember when they used to do like three episodes and then have a break for five weeks and then a break for six months and go and <laughs> Definitely. What character is that again? <laughs> and it is also, to his point, very Doctor Who-y. Mm. I mean, and I hope it isn't two years because yeah. with Doctor Who, there's times where I'm like, I have to watch like about the last 13 episodes to remember where I am because mm-hmm. it's been so long since the next episode. So, um, yeah, in that regard, it really is, uh, Doctor Who-y. God, this, um, this for sure. Jodie Whittaker era specifically of Doctor Who, the current Doctor, where it's been like Christmas of 2019, I think, the last time we saw it, or New, yeah, New Year's was, Day 2019. I know. And um, then they're going to come out with an episode here and there over the rest of the, the next couple yeah, of years. I, yeah, I can't keep up. I need, I need some, some tightness, some more, some more episodes, please. It's certainly not that bad, but, uh, definitely as, as Bob, uh, says, uh, there are just so many questions here and it really is just very, very tantalizing. And mm. we may not necessarily get season two so soon, but I guess there will be some answers within the, this schedule uh, coming through uh, on the MCU. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, yes. Bob. Thanks, Bob. And just surprisingly, Tom Henderson is in London right now where he lives which helps, <laughs> but he is in London right now, where we do know the Pinewood Studios is, 
where we do know they filmed season one. Just putting that out there. Who knows? Maybe it'll come quicker. We don't know. It's going to be a while. <laughs> and next Wednesday, it suddenly drops out of the blue. We've had, oh, six more episodes. Or well, maybe that's where Judge Renslayer went. <laughs> that, that, that's uh, just to really sharpen up uh, season two, but it will be with us sooner than we think. There you go. She's yes. bringing it back from the future with her. <laughs> uh, thanks she better. so much, Dr. Bob. Uh, we also have a voicemail in from Ryan. Guys, I don't know what to say, but oh my God, that was an episode. That was epic. I watched it last night and I'm still absolutely buzzing from it. So happy with what they've given us. This is exactly what we've been waiting for all this time. The multiverse is here. The explanations, we didn't get Mephisto'd. We got Kang. I was wrong, and I'm happy that I'm wrong. I, I'm not bothered that I was proven wrong. It was it was amazing. I was I was I was blown blown away. So we went from last week with all the Easter eggs that I was still finding when I watched it the day before. Uh, I watched this new one. I'm still found finding new stuff I didn't see before, and now this episode, which is just wow. I'm just I am literally gobsmacked, and it's about. 12 hours since I watched it so I'm still like oh my goodness I can't wait to start listening to podcasts and digging up in it but basically in a nutshell Marvel this was the best for me out of all the series this was the best and then I think it might have been WandaVision and then Falcon but either way this series really did exactly what they said they were going to do and they really opened up a massive can of worms which I can't wait for them to explore more but all in all, I'm pleased. Thanks, Marvel. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's such a good episode, such a good ending. Um, you know, both massive in scale, mm-hmm. yet yet really intimate with the the the, th- the three or well, the twelve angry men in a room, as as Chris would say. Um, but it was only three. In fact, it was two men and oh, one lady. And um, but. <laughs> Were they angry? They got angrier as it went on. I definitely Sylvie did. Yes. Anyway, enough of that. Totally agree. It's like it's really tantalizing. Um and I think yeah, it was just amazing. I think one of the things as well I didn't mention uh before was I love the branching of I, I guess the timeline around the Citadel yeah. and just how that really went so chaotic with all the different branches and the branches again off other branches it was dare i say it um yeah very tree-like very river-like uh happening there so that that was just really pretty though i really pretty the way it was done um so yeah thanks so much ryan for for the voicemail yeah a lot of craziness to come uh with marvel it feels like they're having a go again at reintroducing Thanos. Like, you know, when they re- when they introduced Thanos the first time, it was just a face staring at a screen, basically. And they didn't really know what they were doing with him. Whereas this time they're going, we're going to make a big bad that's going to last over multiple movies and years. How would you introduce him? Oh, you give him an entire episode to sit in a room and tell <laughs> these people what's going on. Uh, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thanks, Ryan. Yes, thank you so much, Ryan. And yes, as he said, thanks, Marvel. Next up, we have the final piece of feedback for this finale, for this series of Loki before our wrap-up next week. We have a voicemail from Samuel. 
Hey guys, before I get into my thoughts on the episode, I'd like to say, compared to last week's episode, I'm in love with this one. Even with the more Tarantino-esque talky-talky, as Mobius would say, I think it worked amazing, and the pacing was just as great. Also, an add-on, I'd like to say thanks to Ryan for the kind words on last week's episode. It really meant a lot to me. Now, onto this episode, for all time, always, the finale. We're flung into the episode from the get-go as an epic Marvel logo reel, with Marvel movie lines flooding out of the iconic flipbook images. This detail already put me into the multiverse mindset from the get-go, as it felt like the past was being dragged to the future and vice versa. Among the voices, the most prominent ones I heard were Dance Off Bro and I Can Do This All Day and many, many more. The actual opening scene of the episode, however, was just as mesmerising. Did you happen to catch the spaceship in the expanding galaxy sequence? My mind can't even comprehend who or what is piloting that right now. Maybe a future or past hero in the MCU, now stuck at the edge in space and time. This effect of being warped gave me major 2001 Space Odyssey vibes. A brilliant film and a brilliant callback. As we get into the episode, however, I would say we are confronted by Miss Minutes, who is confirmed as a sentient being and back to her fiery self. I love the little eye roll and angry eyes as she flew away to filter information to Judge Renslayer. The big points of the episode include my He Who Remains theory being somewhat confirmed along with all the Kang rumours and our Loki theory being moulded into one in mixed incestuous theory of pure brilliance. Talking of incestuous, that Loki and Sylvie kiss though, it made me cringe and very uncomfortable, but his character has found love and that just adds to Tom Hiddleston's Loki arsenal. Brilliant. We also had the highly theorised Loki versus Loki, but instead it was versus Sylvie? Loved it. Onto the WTF what the hell yeah moment of the episode. Jonathan Majors as Kang? It's he's here. Although not specifically named, only referred to as he who remains and a conqueror, very on the nose, has already won me over with his portrayal of this spine-tingly, evil, creepy and wacky character from the comics. I can't wait to see more of him and his range when he has the ability to be able to bring multiple versions and personalities of this one character to life. I loved his references to himself as the devil, Maybe meaning we are never getting a Mephisto, or just a big F you from Marvel. Either way, loved it. I also loved the depiction of Kang's story, somewhat simplified but also detailed enough for non-nerd King's viewers like myself to completely grasp this character's importance. Along with the nod to the Council of Kangs, it perfectly made you be terrified and excited for a new and more evil versions of him to come in the future. And heroic versions, I might have to add. Iron Lad, Young Avengers anybody? On to my next voice note. Judge Rensselaer's blind devotion in this episode to what appears to be, from her perspective, a still faceless person that she has never met, 100% sets up her devoted love for Kang in the future editions of the MCU, right? Regarding Sylvie in this episode, I gave her the same reaction as Loki did, while she continuously stated that Kang was lying, an eye roll in sheer frustration, but due to her blinded actions, we now have the multiverse. The battle between the two Lokis was physically well choreographed and an emotionally great ride. The beauty of the breaking timeline at the end gave me genuine goosebumps as so many possibilities began opening before my very eyes and so many characters are on the way. I can't wait to see the repercussions of this in the movies and TV show. On the way and whether they would be set after or before the events of Loki with regards to Hawkeye and the Eternals. Overall, I'm so excited for the future of the MCU and it makes me want to go back and reread some of my favourite comic book storylines as they may be appearing in live action at any time. Tom absolutely knocked this role out of the park again the whole season, but today's episode was just on another level. The range of emotions was just chef's kiss. I'm excited at the possibility of so many comic book storylines being adapted to the big screen. Probably Secret Wars now, 
being the most likely, with Kang replacing Doom, allowing Doom to be the big bad in a future phase for a bigger storyline altogether? Maybe. Quick question for you guys. With the three seasons we have now from Marvel and Disney+, Plus, what are your overall rankings? I have Loki and WandaVision fighting over the top spot, with Loki just edging it out. But that may be due to recency bias, so I'll have to watch WandaVision all, the, all over again and get back to you guys with a definitive answer. Also, with regards to the end of the episode confirming Season 2, what a tease. Thanks for listening. Thanks for always providing the great content. I'll see you guys Friday with the Bad Batch episode and in the near future with What If. Thanks, Samuel. Thanks so much for your thoughts, Samuel. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to be able to rank our shows yet. I think maybe at the end of the year when we do our end yeah. of year wrap up, we have uh, two more uh, MCU shows, three more MCU three. shows coming coming this year with uh, What If, Hawkeye and uh, Miss Marvel. So I think the end of the year we can do our rankings of which ones we thought uh, were the best of them. Because right now, I think all three shows have just been very different right now. You know, I, lo- I love Falcon with Soldier because yeah. that's my type of show. I love WandaVision because it was doing something really different. And I love... Uh, Loki for what it's doing for the universe, but I don't know whether I can uh, compare those three of them myself. How can you compare your favorite children? Well, I suppose you, anyone with kids, probably says you can, but I don't want to there's go there. Always yet. There's, 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 there's no, always a favorite. There's no, they're all loved equally. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they they are just really different. But um, I guess you put that better, Derek, than I was just thinking. You know, I love WandaVision. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed what they did with that. Um, but it, it feels very close to the previous MCU. Um, like, and I guess that makes, that makes sense. Um, and I, I it, it, you know, I guess with having Sword and, and that element to it, um, it, there was something for me that makes it still feel closer to the previous movies. Okay. Um, which is strange to say, I think, but I think mm-hmm. maybe it's just its visuals, its tone, yeah. um, rather than what they were trying to do. But it's just simply because it was doing something different. So yeah. it's that, um, for sure. And I, yeah, saw the spaceship at the start as well because, um, that were that we had mentioned that on the last podcast about it looked like there was at least one. I, I thought there were like two smaller ones as well, like taking off from the citadel, mm. wondering what on earth. And when we had the recap at the start, there was um the spaceship there. So um uh yeah, definitely saw that again. Confirmed the sighting yes. of the space UAP. Yeah. An exactly. unidentified aerial Something. I can't remember what the new term instead of a UFO is. Like any good plane spotter or shuttle spotter or train spotter, you must confirm the sighting. You need... Yes, proof. You need its markings. You need its markings. Absolutely. There we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow defenders, that is the end of our feedback. So thank you so much, everyone who has sent in feedback this episode and for the season. We want to hear more from you. What did you, now that you've seen the whole lot, come back to us next week for the wrap up. Give us your thoughts of the season as a whole. We'll see where we are when we get to watch more than likely the, uh, dissembled or the assembled, uh, kind of making of what we mm. expect will be out this day next week. Exactly. Yes. Until that point, don't forget we have also recently put out our Black Widow 
the spoiler-filled chat, so go on over to all of our usual points, or just head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com, where you can find all the links, and it is there. But we are also back later this week to discuss episode 12 of Star Wars The Bad Batch, which is getting very interesting. And I have some thoughts on the last episode. Excellent. Because it wasn't there. Too late, Chris. We've done it. We've done last Uh, week's episode. You're good at it on this week's episode. (laughs) Just have to. Oh, I only can talk about episode 12. But yes, we will be back for that. And we will be back on August 11th for the next Marvel TV Universe, the MCU universe on Disney Plus, the animated uh-huh. series. What if? Yes, I'm going to just snip that out and use that as our theme tune, Chris. Uh, although we do want people to oh, listen God. to the podcast, so maybe yeah. not. Uh, we do know that a lot of our listeners drop off at the end of a season and come back for the next show that they're, they're, they're watching along with us. So if you've joined us for Loki and you're not going to be back until Loki season two, we'd be disappointed. But thank you so much for joining us for this season. Or if you're joining us tomorrow for The Bad Batch. Thanks so much for listening to Loki Season. Uh, We will talk to you over the weekend, and we will continue to talk to you for the many, many shows that are coming out this year. Thanks so much for all your feedback and all your interaction over the course of this entire season. It's been really good fun uh, hearing what you thought of this mind-bending show. Yes. Oh, oh, Witcher Season 2, December as well. That's going to be in our wrap-up as well, because you could theoretically say The Witcher is now part of the multiverse, because who knows? Everything is part of the MCU multiverse. But it doesn't need to, Chris, because basically it's got Henry Cavill in a bath. Hopefully. Yeah. Again. As part of the MCU, it might not be. With less bubbles, hopefully, Mm -hmm. this time. (laughs) Yep. Thanks again, fellow Defenders, for joining us for another series, our third one this year, of uh, a Marvel TV show. I never thought I would say that uh, again after Mm -hmm. the Marvel Netflix stuff. But, yes, we will be back with our wrap-up episode, and, of course, we've got What If. Uh, But remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending for all time, always. 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 Bye.